Hi, I'm Neil Bergman. And I'm Hayley Bergman. Over the last 10 years, we've helped thousands of fitness professionals to get qualified, learn with simplicity, and coach clients with confidence. We're the first to say that learning and being a fit pro doesn't have to be hard work, and that with the right structure, support, and resources, you can become a confident and knowledgeable fitness professional that is dedicated to more. So how do you learn, qualify, and kickstart as a fit pro? This is the Fit Pro Sessions podcast with Parallel Coaching. The last two days, Hayley, we've deep dived into anatomy and physiology, and the feedback's been phenomenal, but also it's been like a mind-blowing two days, certainly over a weekend when people are like at the end of our half term, maybe trying to relax a little bit and then we just throw nervous system at you. <laughs> it was a lot of information. It was. And so I want to lighten the tone today, still obviously stay with a revision bite and anatomy and physiology, but look specifically at the core. Yeah, nice. Okay. So the core has loads of sort of assumptions about it. I think when everybody thinks of the core, yeah. everybody thinks about different things, but usually we think about exercises. We think about ab crunches or planks. Well, what would be and your what favourite gonna... core? exercise be oh i think probably bicycle kicks i like that i quite like a v-sit oh, nice. but you're right we go straight to an exercise of the core and i think most people's perception would be that as a i'm going to call it a token gesture of core mm. that comes at the end of a plan end of a session yeah that they kind of go i've done my cardio i've done my resistance i'll just do some core now yeah completely it becomes like a 10 minute added thing at the end so one of the things we want to do in this revision bite is also link it to where core would come in but first and foremost we must understand what core is and what core isn't yeah. and then we can understand how to program core training effectively yeah, so it perfect. doesn't become a token gesture at the end of someone's workout yeah and that it actually has real meaning towards the client's specific goal yeah and that the, the things that you give them are specific to help them improve their performance ready to achieve their result or their goal so it is that specific adaptation to an imposed demand which, again which we talked about <laughs> the said principle on a previous yeah. revision bite so if this is your first dose of the revision bites okay or you're skipping through and you're playing catch up I definitely invite you to go and at some point listen to us all of them throughout this season seven because there'd be things that we refer to like the said principle or the components of fitness that we're constantly pulling into and allowing us to answer this big can of worms and yeah. the can of worms is you've got eight modules inside level two anatomy and level Great. two uh, level three anatomy and so you've got all these eight worms swimming around and we're trying to put a <laughs> lid on them and we're pulling a, the, just organizing the, them. Yeah, we're organizing them, but we're organizing them within the principles and components of training. Yeah. What I really like about core training from a face to face perspective, when we teach this in the classroom in our Milton Keynes Academy, it's usually on weekend two of a PT course. And we, at this point, we've done like training systems and we, we're, the learners are like, cool, we're ready to go. I, I love core. I love training core. And they immediately go to like bicycle kicks, V-sits, planks, and they go into the studio and it's like, oh, wow, this knowledge. And you walk in with this preconceived idea and they walk out going, oh, my God, my core <laughs> training is, is going to be on another level now. Yeah, I didn't realise it was about that. Because it's the underpinning knowledge of anatomy and physiology of what is going on inside the body and what, the, what makes up the core that allows us to truly select the correct exercises. Because it's not just a series of exercises that challenge our core muscles. We've got different components that make up the core and we're going to train them for a very specific reason to get the relevant adaption adaptation required which would be different for somebody let's say that's running a 10k race than it is for somebody that wants to lose weight or somebody that wants to improve their balance so they have full prevention or whatever yeah, like it might take, be take 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 um doris 
85 years old that's walking around her kitchen and wants to get the cereal out of her cupboard and has to stand on one leg and reach up and have core stability yeah. to grab something to prevent herself from falling over. That's like, using her core stability. Yeah, that is ver- part of like you core. say, versus the person who wants to do their 1RM um, clean and hang barbell yeah, lift. They whatever. still need core to be adapted, but in different ways for different purposes. Perfect. And what I like about the information of core and understanding is it comes up as revision for level three, really, um, a much more level three syllabus. Yes. You understand basics of posture and you understand some of the superficial muscles around the midsection. Superficial meaning? Uh, on the outside, yes. so like rectus abdominis. So the muscles the you can see, yeah. yeah completely. Exactly. The muscles you can almost like physically touch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you understand more of those at level two, but at level three, you, you learn about a whole deeper level um, of, of the inner core unit and you will learn about how core can be trained and how you can work with that, which Perfect. is really powerful at level three. So what I'd like you to do is to grab a piece of paper, okay, and draw a line down the middle. So you've got like the left-hand side of a bit of paper and the right hand side of a bit of paper yeah and we're going to now divide core into two areas okay so on the left hand side of the paper you could have it as uh, mark it as a or one yeah okay and that would be core. let's call it core stability perfect so core stability and on the right hand side of a bit of paper um i label it as b or number two and that would be core strength core strength so we could clearly see core stability versus core strength. Now these work with two different sets of muscles entirely, even though they're in a similar kind of location. Now that should be your first kind of like ears pricked uh-huh. up of like aha moments. Like Haley, repeat that. <laughs> they work with two different sets of muscles. And so at level three anatomy specifically, you've got to learn 50 different muscles. We understand that actually in the body there's over 600 muscles. So you can kind of like, like actually actually go it's only 50 not oh my god there's loads to learn um of which you learned half of those at level two anyway yeah completely (laughs) like nail on the head there i like that as as a distinction (laughs) but we can now associate some of these muscles relevant and specifically towards uh stabilization stabilization stability and some towards the superficial muscles of of core strength yeah nice and so let's stay on the left hand side of a bit of paper now on today's revision bite and i want you to draw a rectangle okay so it's not very wide but it's quite long yeah so taller than it is wide another way of doing this put your phone down on (laughs) on your bit of paper okay in a lengthways how you would normally hold it and draw around your phone i like that that's really smart so there's four muscles you need to know for your level three anatomy and physiology exam i'm talking slowly now because it's a nudge nudge (laughs) wink wink you may need to know this it's not for us to suggest that this will or might come up this will come up yeah cool you said it out loud (laughs) to some degree like we haven't told you a question but it's like saying like the rotator cuffs, you know that they're going to... Did I say that as, out loud as well? They're yeah, gonna probably those are going to cool. come up. And hamstrings and... Anyway. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, so what I like about this, so we've got our four muscles of our inner core unit. And we've drawn a box on a paper. Like and that. we're on the left-hand side under core stabilisation. Now, the top line of your rectangle reflects or represents the diaphragm. Okay, so that's one of your core stabilizing muscles so your diaphragm is responsible for contracting and relaxing and pulling oxygen and air into the lungs expanding the lungs then relaxing and forcing air and carbon dioxide out yeah okay now on the left hand side of this uh, box the long line going down that's your multifidi 
okay, which is... So your multifidus is there to stabilise your spine. Hence so, why we're in core stability. Yeah, exactly. So all the left-hand side of this box you drew is basically your spine. Um, and we know it's got natural curves to the spine in how it sits, but essentially what your multifidus does is keeps that in a extended position. Its job is to stabilise and keep it still. So keep those two convex and two concave curves of the spine. Yeah. Now, the bottom line of this box is your pelvic floor muscles. Okay. Yeah. So you've got your, uh, your diaphragm, at, diaphragm top. at the top. On the left-hand side, you've got your multifidi. And at the bottom, you've got your pelvic floor. Now, the muscle on the front, the only muscle left, which is your right-hand line, is your transverse abdominus. Yes. So those four muscles make up your inner core unit, okay, and are responsible for core stabilisation. Ultimately, what we're looking at here is maintaining a neutral spine, mm. okay? So what we're looking for is for that box to remain integral, have its integrity, hold its integrity, yeah. which means those lines don't really change length or shape. It doesn't become a squircle, <laughs> which is a circle and square. It doesn't, it don't, the lines don't get bigger or shorter. In, in essence, if I'm going to do it's a stable. it's stable, okay? So I maintain a neutral spine. Yeah. Okay, so um, if I'm not, sorry to jump in, if I'm not breathing, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking uh, for? Deeply or, or do you mean breathing uh, diaphragmatically? Through, yeah, diaphragmatically then I haven't got that top part of that unit or cylinder. Okay, yeah. If I haven't got a neutral spine, then my multifidi is compromised. Yeah. If I've not got uh, neutral hips, okay, then, my, or engaging, or the, engaging pelvic floor, the pelvic floor, or engaging the, thoracic, uh, the, the, the transverse, transverse abdominus, one of those sides is compromised. Mm. Okay, So as a clear rule of thumb, if we're going to work core stability, then I must maintain my, my midsection, that core unit, to remain somewhat still. Yeah, awesome. So if that's staying still, the other thing that I like about knowing about the inner core unit is how these create intra-abdominal pressure cool. all together. Yeah. So together, if you imagine this as a cylinder, like you've just drawn, they have a, a set surface area. But when you that, if you want to increase the pressure inside that, that space, imagine that you can kind of like just poke one end in a little bit and it increases the surface area which increases the pressure inside. So an example of that would be drawing the belly button in. Exactly. Okay, which increases the pressure inside the cylinder. As long as everything else stays around the same. Yeah, completely. We're not moving our backs, we're not doming our backs, we're just pulling in the belly button but keeping everything else stable. Perfect. And that kind of just reminds us that that intra-abdominal pressure creates a firm base that takes the pressure off of our spine, our ligaments in our spine. It takes the pressure off our intervertebral uh, discs and that's what allows us to remain injury free. Perfect, so from a core stabilizing perspective, if we were to go down planning an exercise selection for this, so if somebody wanted more stability mm. from their core, okay, yeah. because they were unstable when they were moving. Yes, okay, yeah. then, like Doris who needs balance, <clears throat> yeah. or like the, the trail runner that's got to negotiate downhills, yeah, completely. So, like, I've done a lot of downhill trail races, ultras, and yeah. whatnot. By your your spine or your your inner core unit says, in somewhat holds its integrity upright as I'm moving forwards. 
and it's my arms and legs that are doing all of the stabilizing movements, yeah. which tells us something. If I take Doris, her spine remains neutral as she lifts up, takes one leg off the floor and lifts up with the opposing arm to grab her cereal. So this gives us a clear guide of how we're going to train our core stabilizing muscles. Our spine remains neutral. Our inner core unit makes very little movement, yet our arms and legs do all of the training and moving for us. Awesome. So the range of movement and the, 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 the intensity comes from the movement of our limbs, which would be our peripheral um, skeletal system. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what I love about this is essentially the rule of thumb is if you want to train core stability and the inner core unit, you need to keep the spine still and that torso, that whole inner core unit section, stationary, still, stable, while something else moves. So an example of this would be like a dead bug. Okay. Which is where you lay on your back, your yeah. legs and your arms in the air. And or like moving. a Superman position. Yeah. And the key thing is that you as a trainer, you as a fit pro, are there to check that your client is keeping that still. Let's take the dead bug position yeah. where you're laying on your back and you lower your legs down towards the floor. If you lay a, um, lower one or two legs down to the floor, some people lift their back up and it starts arching off the floor. Yeah. Well, that's a sign that it's not stable anymore. Yeah. So your cues are there to bring it Perfect. back Perfect. to make sure they're keeping it stable like it should be i love that that's course to believe so the question is <laughs> at the beginning of your client's your client's program is do they need more core stability mm. or do they need more core strength which so is the other side of the paper the other side of the paper let's go to the other side of the paper core strength Haley. core strength is now about working the superficial muscles so we've done the deep inside now yeah. we're on the outside um, should we list out a few? Go for it. So rectus abdominis on the front, yep. six-pack muscles. Yep. So we know that they work with flexion of the spine. So when they contract the rectus abdominis, it's right on the front. It causes flexion of the spine, which is basically like a crunch position, yep. right? Um, it creates movement in terms of it's superficial. It's got... Um, it creates massive movement in joints. Yep. Then you've got your obliques, yep. which is about rotation Perfect. or in lateral trans, flexion. In the transverse plane yeah. and frontal plane. And then you've also got your, um, what other superficial muscles? Oh, we, your rectus spinae. Rectus spinae, quadratus lumborum yes. in the back. Now, it's not about just naming muscles and saying, right, there are superficial ones. What I really want to make for differentiation now between the two is a lot of people train um, their strength muscles their, yeah. their core strength muscles um without having trained truly trained or have anatomical yeah. and physiological adaptation in their stabilizing muscles now if i wanted to build a house i would build <laughs> solid foundations yeah. okay so that i could then build the bricks up and build my house now i'd have to build the foundations deep enough so that should the surrounding earth move my house doesn't fall down mm. and that creates stability okay nice. so in order for my house to remain integrity have hold its integrity and be strong and withstand all of the pressures in the environment mm. then i must have a very strong stable base now i want you to consider as fit pros in order to train someone's core strength we must also have a solid stable base and your stable base is your core stability so you're almost saying do the left hand side of the paper yeah before you try and go and do the right hand side of the unless paper. your client turns up to with you with a training age having done and training age would be how long have they been training for what's the type of training what's yeah. the, what's their fit principle been like and have they already got adaptation within their stability core stability to go to strength now 99.9% of people, if I went into Tesco's right now and I pulled out 100 people and I said, how do I train core? They're going to go, oh, you do sit-ups, you do bicycle kicks, you, I don't know, you do some planks. Mm. But I want you to consider actually, the, the reality is 
that probably isn't going to do much for them. Yeah. Without that strong, stable base. Yeah, because if they don't have the base, then they can't go on and do the strength. Completely, because the environment around them of how they move is going to um, knock down their strength because they haven't got any stable stability underneath them. Well, let's go back to Doris yeah. and imagine for a moment that all we did with Doris straight away was we went, oh, you want to improve your fall prevention? That's great. All I'm going to do with you is just work the strength superficial muscles. So yeah. she's there getting hypertrophy of her abs. We're trying, hard, hardest, trying her hardest. She's also trying to work her obliques and she's doing all these funky exercises that create lots of movement. Then she goes and reaches for her cereal. She still has no stability and she topples over. So stability. The strength we're in her abs about, won't We're her. talking about the stability of, of the joint. Mm. So we're actually talking about the muscle has to cross a joint a muscle goes, forms into a tendon, the tendon crosses a joint, and it must pull across a joint to bring, bring about skeletal movement. <laughs> now, you've, the nervous system the last couple of days was talking about the proprioceptors and mechanoreceptors around what's going on inside the body. Now, I want you to consider, and we've mentioned this before, that a joint acts and muscles react. So if we've not got any stability inside the joint, mm. okay, then the muscle is going to be compromised. The muscle can only adapt to the stability of the joint. Nice. The, the, the core strength of a muscle can only adapt to the maximum stability that the core has. Nice, okay? I like that. So let's look at it from our analogy again of the house. If I don't build strong foundations, I can't build a very big house. Nice. Yeah, so if I wanna build a big house, I've got to have big foundations. Yeah. You're only gonna develop Doris's core strength to the maximum capacity of her core stability that she has at any one point. Yeah. Okay? Amazing. So if I want her to get, and she wants to do core strength, then I must also challenge her core stability up front. Yeah. There and, we go. and what I love about this is that what we said before, it impacts your client's planning because it's not just about some token ab crunches at the end of a session or some token Russian twists at the end of the session. Yeah. You're now going, right, what's the adaptation I wanted to see in their core? What, actually, I'm, I'm focusing on stability at the moment. Well, what are the things I'm doing in their program already? that might be challenging stability that I could focus on. Oh, she's already squatting. She's already walking. Oh, what happens when she's squatting? I'm trying to keep her spine still. Oh, squatting's and a stability is, exercise. And this is where almost every <laughs> exercise becomes a core stability work. If the spine is still. If the spine is still. And that's where we could use things like a, a suspension trainer, where we could use a kettlebell, we could use uh, cable pulleys, we could change the base of support. Yeah. All these acute variables in session, not just equipment. We could change the base of support. We could change um, from a narrow stance to a wide stance, to a split stance, to um, having just a four foot on the on the on the floor to what she's standing on or he's standing on to challenge core stability yeah so core stability doesn't have to be in core strength doesn't have to be a token gesture at the end you're actually training all the time if i every time i go for a run every step i take okay don't start singing okay <laughs> is core stability right because yeah. i'm stay unstable in order to create stability, I've got to be unstable at some point yeah. because I've got to have progressive overload. Yeah, exactly. Progressive overload and just still. Yeah. would be I've got to create some kind of unstable environment in order to challenge the stability of that core. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah? It's like so, a Jack Sparrow yeah, So again, you could look at it and go in terms of a progressive plan across eight weeks. I might do the first four weeks with stable exercises and the second four weeks with unstable exercises. Overall, yeah. I've progressed core stability. Yeah. And then you've not even touched the superficial ones necessarily. Not at all. Yeah, completely. But it just swings it around really, doesn't it? That planning that you do for your client in terms of core training doesn't have to be 
a series of core exercises as long as you get the adaptation yeah. that your client requires which half the time is or, or at least most of the time probably is the stability first the so in, in in the uh, level three practical for pt one of the final training systems to do is to do a core training system yeah and i love it when like i, I assessed somebody just a few weeks ago in between the lockdowns and um usually you get like a plank or some kind of core exercise and um I said, oh, I said, if you want to move on to your core training system now, um, we can go from there. And he walked over to the uh, dumbbell rack and picked up and he showed the client he was training a farmer's walk <laughs> and then progressed the farmer's walk, looking at the different, not just weights of, of, of a dumbbell, but also the position of where the dumbbell was. Oh, so like overhead? Yeah, or... completely. And, and then added various different moves and added different, um, uh, some rotation in as well. And it was just an, a, a really nice example of challenging someone's core outside of a traditional core Specific exercise. Specific as well, isn't it? So if that client's um, goal was something that related to forward locomotion, so exactly, walking, yeah. hiking, it did, running... It, it was running, yeah, completely. Then you've got something specific. And so I, I think that's where we could end it, is like, for, for today's revision bite, it's just that understanding that core doesn't have to be our assumptions of what core is, a token gesture at the end. We're actually training our core throughout the whole session, but then we could break core down into core stability and core strength, Okay, and once we have those distinctions, suddenly our understanding of training someone's core towards a particular goal just blows up in my yeah, mind. Yeah, it all makes sense. So what we'd like, like you to aha yeah. moments. So what we'd like you to do is go into about inside the inner circle again, as we do every day on these revision bites. Let us know what your big takeaway has been. And you're going to use hashtag core. And what I would also love alongside your takeaway is for you to list out stability or strength. And you're going to write in there an exercise that you know that falls into either one. Yeah, and try and, try and be like creative with that, not yeah. like take the typical one, the one that we'd all expected to do. Yeah. Okay. Challenge and, yourself. Yeah, and outside of that, we'll see you bright and breezy tomorrow morning. Bye. Hi, I'm Neil Bergman. And I'm Hayley Bergman. Over the last 10 years, we've helped thousands of fitness professionals to get qualified, learn with simplicity, and coach clients with confidence. We're the first to say that learning and being a fit pro doesn't have to be hard work, and that with the right structure, support, and resources, you can become a confident and knowledgeable fitness professional that is dedicated to more. So how do you learn, qualify, and kickstart as a fit pro? This is the Fit Pro Sessions podcast with Parallel Coaching.